Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, reported February 6th, 2023. I'm Lori Calvacina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. Today in the podcast, hot topics and interesting things that jumped out in our inbound client questions and high-frequency indicators last week. Four big things you need to know. First, recent sector leadership within the S&P has been consistent with what we've seen in past periods following final Fed rate hikes. Second, we continue to find that investors are interested in debating what kind of P.E. the S&P deserves in light of current interest rate and inflation assumptions. With this in mind, we've refreshed our valuation model, which makes the case for valuation expansion as inflation moderates. Third, earnings revision trends are getting less negative for most S&P sectors, suggesting that sentiment around earnings is improving at the margin, helping explain why the market has surged this year so far, despite estimates continuing to fall in dollar terms. And fourth, we highlight what jumped out from our high-frequency indicators, correlations within the S&P and Russell 2000 are falling, and the most popular stocks and hedge funds are outperforming, positive data points for stock pickers and the broader market. If you'd like to hear more, here's another five minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and other major platforms. Now the details. Let's start with takeaway number one. First, recent sector leadership within the S&P has been consistent with what we've seen in the past after final Fed rate hikes. For us, the most interesting part of Fed Day is always how different sectors react in terms of performance. The top two sectors following Tuesday's close were communication services and tech, while discretionary also eked out some leadership. While much of these moves can be explained by reaction to earnings prints, other drivers are also at play, as these three sectors are also showing the strongest leadership within the S&P on a year-to-date basis. Our chart of the week helps to provide some additional context. We took a look back at median S&P sector performance following final Fed rate hikes since 1995. The top three performing sectors are tech, comm services, and consumer discretionary. Financials also fared well, but not as strongly as the other three. This tells us that the U.S. equity market has been starting to discount the end of the current hiking cycle before it's actually happened. Tech and comm services were the worst two performers on Monday in the S&P, a consequence of digesting Friday's strong jobs report, which has stoked concerns about the Fed's hiking path once again. Personally, I'm still in the camp that thinks the Fed is close to the end. But in the short term, these are the sectors to keep an eye on as we continue to get more Fed speak in the weeks ahead. Moving on to takeaway number two, the case for valuation expansion as inflation moderates. In our meetings last week, we continued to find that investors were interested in debating what kind of P.E. multiple the S&P deserves to trade at in light of current rate and inflation assumptions. While opinions on both vary a bit, the current consensus generally still reflects the idea of higher for longer on both relative to pre-pandemic trends at least, but some moderation from peak. With this in mind, we've updated our S&P 500 trailing P.E. model for the latest shifts in consensus forecasts on both rates and inflation. The model, which we introduced last summer, is a simple regression based on data going back to the 70s. We plugged in consensus year-end 2023 forecasts for all four variables as of February 3rd, PCE of 2.8%, core PCE of 3%, Fed funds at 4.75%, and 10-year yields of 3.4%. Based on actuals, the model implies that the S&P deserved to trade at around 16.37 times as of December 31st, a little below the 17.3 to 17.7 multiple it actually traded at at year-end using bottom-up consensus numbers and RBC 2022 EPS forecasts. Based on current macro assumptions for year-end 2023, the model also suggests that the index deserves to trade at around 22.4 times at the end of this year. 
This 2023 multiple forecast implies that the year-end 2023 S&P price could move up to nearly 5,000 if the current consensus earnings of 223 proves correct, or to nearly 4,500 if our own forecast of 199 proves correct. Given our below consensus outlook for 2023 EPS, we view 4,500 as the more reasonable gauge of upside risk to our 4,100 price target. The math all helps explain why we anticipate a positive year of S&P returns despite a decline in earnings. Next, takeaway number three. Earnings revision trends are getting less bad for most S&P sectors. Generally, as we've highlighted in recent weeks, the earnings backdrop has continued to soften, with the pace of beats slowing, 2023 S&P EPS forecasts falling in dollar terms for the consensus, and most sectors seeing downward revisions to consensus forecasts on earnings, revenues, or both. We pointed out in last week's podcast that we think the stock market has been rallying recently, in part because the consensus stats are still baking in recovery on earnings, revenues, and margins in 2024, while valuations also look reasonable on 2024 consensus DPS. This week, we highlight another reason why we think U.S. equities generally, and the growth trade in particular, have rallied so hard year-to-date. While downward revisions to earnings forecasts are still underway, the rate of upward earnings estimate revisions has been starting to get less negative for six out of 11 sectors. We view this indicator as a good gauge of sentiment around earnings, which is starting to recover for the growth-oriented parts of the market in particular. I'll wrap up quickly with a couple of quick hits from our FRI high-frequency indicators. Correlations are coming down with the S&P 500. Good news for stock pickers. Correlations are currently lowest within the S&P for healthcare, consumer discretionary, and comm services. The question we've been getting from investors is where they should spend their time, and we think it's those sectors with the lowest correlations. Additionally and separately, the most popular stocks and hedge funds have been outperforming of late. This is good news for the market as a shift in performance for these names was seen in late 2018, right before the December lows that year. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to reach out with any questions. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.